The following recording may contain explicit language. I can't get more explicit than may. Let's just say it may. It's Monday, December 30th, 2019. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. It is the penultimate day of the year. Yesterday, the anti-penultimate day of the year. That was, of course, my birthday. I am at an age that has 10 factors. They are wisdom, strength, flexibility, dyspepsia. No, I mean numerically, 10 factors. The number 48 has 10 factors. It's an accomplishment. I'm pretty proud. When I hit 60, I'll be at a 12-factor age. That's the next big milestone. So I produce for you here in this space. I don't produce it. Daniel does. But I give you mm, sort of a year in review show, a year in review of the gist. Now, I'm not going to say that I've been taking notes since my last show on December 30th and and trying very hard to listen back to see what the best of the gist was. No, I did that on December 20th and 21st. What I'm saying to you and admitting to you because we have a relationship of honesty is that it just might be the case that this show, which you're hearing now on December 30th, was recorded on December 23rd, but that doesn't mean I can't be topical. I mean, think about all the things that have happened in the last week since I recorded this show. Like the Senate and Nancy Pelosi, they're still at an impasse. And uh, Pete Buttigieg, he took some incoming for, man, not quite bullshit. I mean, the guy's a little squirrely, but the passion against Buttigieg seems to me a little, not exactly commensurate with the charges against Buttigieg. I'm just saying that that's how it happened. Oh, yeah, and of course, that other Star Wars controversy that went down. And can you believe Trump and Kim Jong-un? These guys were made for each other, am I right? And that baffling Trump screed. I mean, does he even know what he's talking about? And those tweets or if i follow his capitalization protocols what's the deal with those tweets oh yes what else what else happened since i recorded this show this very show that you're hearing in this last oh yeah that that crazy recipe went around on social media i don't know to to each his own that's what i say to eat to eat his own (laughs) and can you believe those celebrity beach pics i mean how old is she 50 what wow If I look good at that age, I tell you, I would invite the paparazzi in. Oh, and did you see this? The Camping World Bowl and the Cheese It Bowl. All these crazy bowl games with their high scores. What's next? The WeWork Jewel Mango Bowl? I mean, why not? If the score is going to be an inflated, I don't know, 51 to 49 and everyone's going to get hurt? Sure, the WeWork Jewel Mango Bowl. So pretty timely stuff, am I right? Pretty. The key is, I don't know if you glean this, it's to just be just general enough, like a horoscope or an economic forecast. Here's an example. Wow, I mean, can they screw up this Jeffrey Epstein thing more? I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but come on, guys. We all know proper prison protocol. This was not it. And oh, God. Do you believe these people trying a document dump on one of the last days of the year at five o'clock? Do they do they not think we know how this works? And now I'll try one that goes a little bit further out there, just a little more on the edge, because if I nail it, I do get credit. All right. So this is a toe touch in the waters of non risk averse retroactive prediction. Um, Let's see. I don't want to go. Okay. I did not think in a thousand years that Edward James almost could achieve a handstand scorpion pose, but it was all ruined to find out that he's a frequent contributor to the 4chan channel about lizard people. Hey, TikTok, don't lie. Am I right? 
on the show today. It's a urine review show. I don't think we've ever done a urine review show. Why not try one? It's all the stuff that I covered that I forgot I covered. Stuff that actually happened that you might say, oh yeah, that thing happened. Maybe I should remember it. I feel that nostalgia has been distended. So you know, in the 70s, there was a very popular sitcom about the 50s that was called Happy Days. That seems like a sufficient time frame. You wait about 20 years and the kids then have kids of their own and they get nostalgic. That's how it used to work. But by now, in December 2019, we're, we're literally nostalgic for things that happened in February of 2019. And we'll just say, ooh, what a time, what a time that was. You had to have been there. And beyond that, we will give you an even more pertinent section of our year in review, the stuff I didn't cover and arguably shouldn't have. You will thank me. You really will. So stay tuned. The year in review and the year out of view up next. And now the year in review. So you know the president, he makes things up and so do a lot of his people. Now, a lot of folks noted a couple years ago that there was no Bowling Green Massacre, but I believe that the gist was the only show who noted that this utterance of Attorney General William Barr was an example of just making things up. And he did it. He took square aim at the thesaurus. Remember when he told Senator Sheldon Whitehouse in a hearing this? Uh, I think spying is a good English word that in fact doesn't have synonyms. Survey, surveil, furtively observe, follow, shadow, trail, bug. So that was an example of something that we brought to you. We played that. That was the kind of fact check that you get from the gist, that only a deep-pocketed news organization or one with access to synonym.com can bring you. We also talked about this little guy, this guest who showed up at the State of the Union. This little guy says his last name is making his life miserable. My name is Joshua Albert Trump. Yep, Joshua is a Trump, and he says the kids at school are tormenting him. Trump tormented, chance to call attention to an aggrieved Trump. Hell yes, Donald Trump's signing up for that. Donald Trump, no relation to truth, propriety, or Joshua Trump. Donald Trump did invite him to the State of the Union to forefront all the unfair arrows that a Trump draws. I remembered young Joshua when a few weeks ago, Trump world took great umbrage at Baron Trump's name being dragged through the mud. The first name in this case, Baron, it wasn't really dragged through the mud. It was simply evoked in a, you know, fine point, Baron, Baron Trump, right? Donald Trump can name his son Baron, but can't name someone a Baron. I get it. I got it. I don't know. The Trumps went nuts. So Melania Trump's anti-bullying initiative has literally two poster children, two specific children she has ever championed. One is Baron Trump, bullied for being a Trump. One is Joshua Trump, bullied for having a last name of Trump. So this leads me to think that the best strategy for a Central American miner crossing into America, if he wants to or she wants to avoid cages and the harsh treatment that the Trump administration visits upon them, is you got to get forged documents. Oh, not documents to say you're here legally in America. Documents to say that your last name is Trump. Jorge Garcia, Esteban Suarez... Jorge Trump, Esteban Trump, or Honduran moms, literally name your kids Trump, Trump Lopez, Trump de Trump Flores, could save her life one day. Well, those are a couple of the stories I did cover, though Joshua Trump didn't know I covered it. He fell asleep during the State of the Union. But now I would like to mention 
some of the stories I didn't cover. This perhaps my greatest contribution as a journalist, the choices I made that most benefited you, the GIST audience. So now for stories Mike didn't cover. Stories Mike didn't cover. I didn't cover Jeremy Renner's Jeremy Renner app. I didn't cover the phenomenon of cheesing. I didn't cover auto-tuning cats, which was a phenomenon, though we do have some sound of that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't cover the cat's trailer or the cat's musical. If I'm not going to cover auto-tuned cats, I'm not going to cover those other singing cats. I didn't cover when Fox News' Dana Perino tweeted out a picture of her queso dish that went viral. I didn't cover 30 to 50 feral hogs. I didn't cover storming area 51. I didn't cover reclaiming my time. I didn't cover, I just took a DNA test and I'm 100% not making the same joke that everyone in America made. You are welcome. I didn't cover Marvel movies through a Scorsese or Mark Marin lens. I didn't cover Forky. I didn't cover the movie where the rich hunted the poor. I didn't cover Sonic the Hedgehog. I didn't cover Detective Pikachu. I didn't cover Peter Rabbit. I didn't cover Bam Bam and Pebbles musical adventure. I didn't cover any of it. I didn't cover Big Poppy being shot, though I was against it. I didn't cover that Netflix teenage suicide show. I didn't cover Ted Cruz's beard. I didn't cover the flea bag jumpsuit. I didn't cover the Riverdale Jodspurs. I didn't cover the Deadwood gunny sack. Deadwood, Breaking Bad, two of my favorite ever TV shows come back and I didn't cover them. I didn't even watch one of them. You know why? It's okay to be over and then just to stay over. That's okay. Let me give you a little side note example. I don't know, 8, 10, 12 years ago, there was the West Nile virus going around. And one of the things they did to guard against the West Nile virus is they had sentinel chickens. These were chickens in a coop. If they died, you know the virus was on the way. At the time, I wanted to make a lot of jokes and references about the Sentinel Chickens. I wanted to name something, some property that I control over, Sentinel Chicken. It didn't work out, and I let it pass. Now, I could bring it up. I could go to reboot the whole Sentinel Chicken thing, but I'm not going to do it because it's over. I didn't cover them. The time has passed, and it's okay to let it go. I didn't cover that fake heiress who dressed okay in court. I didn't cover the fact that in Utah, it's illegal to lie about an animal being an emotional support animal. Now, here's something I didn't cover, but I probably should have, because thinking about it, I think this is the biggest news of the year, and I might not be kidding. I think this news will have repercussions to all cultures for all time. They redefine the kilogram. So how are you feeling? Excited, bit nervous, because we're redefining the kilogram, which is just insane. Is that a big deal? Yeah, a huge deal. It affects literally everything in our lives. That's Purdy Williams, research scientist at the UK's National Physical Laboratory, talking to Vice. She's right. It's crazy. It's big. It's monumental. You know what wasn't? Kanye West's choral piece. So I didn't cover it. I didn't cover Kate Smith singing God Bless America. I mean, I did cover it. I talked about it. But what I didn't cover was one thing that always annoyed me about God Bless America, the emphasis of foam to the ocean's White with foam. And that's fine to note that it's white with foam, but it builds to a foam crescendo. I mean, I like my insulation mixed with patriotism as much as the next guy. And it is foam. I mean, it's frothing atop the wave. But to lead up to it, to have that be what the whole song arrives at, white with foam. It's like talking about the mountaintop as that place where eagles poop. I didn't talk about I'm baby. I didn't talk about Senate Bill 311, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. I grouped those two together about two things I didn't talk about. You know, I didn't mention Jussie Smollett on this show. I could have. I mean, if you asked me for my opinions, I'd have given them. I mean, there's something like 
Don't get receipts to, for the ropes and the bleach that your super jack Nigerian friends buy, you know? Now, I got to say, it's not 100% accurate that I didn't cover him. What I did is, <laughs> this happened. I was covering a House committee looking at Russian interference in the last election, and I played the following clip as Mike Conway, Republican of Texas, was speaking, and he seemed to have touched an iPad on his desk there, and it started playing, I think it's Entertainment Tonight. Here, listen. On March 24th, 2019, the special counsel delivered his findings to the government, to the, um, the, um, Crazy, huh? Now, this is the Mike Conway who said, quote, Harry Reid and the Democrats brought in Mexican soap opera stars, singers and entertainers who had immense influence in those communities into Las Vegas to entertain, to get out the vote and so forth. This was him explaining why the Democrats also did interfere in the election, as well as the uh, Republicans and the Russians, right? Because the Mexican soap opera stars got out the vote in Las Vegas. He went on to say, those are foreign actors, foreign people influencing the vote in Nevada. You don't hear the Democrats screaming or saying one word about that. No, you don't. But we did hear a little Jesse Smollett coverage from Entertainment Tonight, the most roundabout way to get your news by watching C-SPAN. I didn't cover drag queen reading time. I'm for it, by the way. I didn't cover the idea that the Special Olympics were going to get defunded. I'm against that, but come on, it was never going to happen. And I didn't cover it. You know what I did cover? I had on a few of the presidential candidates, and quite often... They'd come on the show and then they'd withdraw from the race. But many didn't. Michael Bennett, he's still at it. And he swore on this show to get rid of pennies. And that is what I ask of all the candidates. This is my issue. If elected, will you no longer mint pennies? Here was how Pete Buttigieg avoided making this commitment to me. Do you think pennies should continue to be minted? Ooh, wow. Definitely never got that one before. I'm not ready to make news here and now that I'm anti-penny, if only out of regard for Mr. Lincoln. I mean, I don't know what's more inefficient now, a $1 bill or a penny. It might be the $1 bill. Um, I don't know why the dollar coins never caught on. I'm going to give that some thought. I I think, like I said, I think in these times, everything should be... What do you think? I I do. I think it's nostalgia, but I've done the math. And uh, it it struck me the other day when I saw a penny on the floor and I literally regarded it as garbage. And I said, (laughs) (laughs) a thing to pick up. I'm like, oh, should I throw this away? Yeah. Buttigieg was good. Bennett was good. Hickenlooper, he was also on my show. He's gone. Bullock was here. He's gone. Of all the candidates who are here and gone, Tim Ryan made the most searing impression upon me. Here's my question. What does Marianne Williamson get wrong about the issue of mindfulness that you get right? Uh Sometimes she articulates it a lot different than I I stay grounded in the science. I talk a lot about how veterans are being healed by some of these practices like mindfulness, like yoga, like transcendental meditation, like acupuncture. I talk a lot about uh, food as medicine. I talk about the con- in the context of preventative measures to save healthcare dollars. So 75% of our healthcare dollars are on chronic diseases that are largely preventable. It's, it's about $3.5 trillion in direct and indirect costs a year. So focusing on those kind of things, to me, mindfulness too is about getting to the root cause. And I think that's what's been bullshit about our politics is we're talking about stuff around the edges that do not get to the heart of the matter. And when I talk about whether it's economic issues or health issues, like three quarters of our healthcare dollars are chronic diseases that are preventable. 
Now, do, have we had this conversation other than like I brought it up once in the debate in the seven minutes I had? Like that's not even part of the conversation. It's like single payer, hybrid single payer, private insurance, out of pocket, the insurance companies. He's like, okay, that's health insurance. Right. When are we going to talk about fucking health? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When are we going to talk about the health of the country? Because if we don't have that conversation, half of the adult population has either diabetes or prediabetes. Alzheimer's is on the rise. Heart disease is on the rise. High blood pressure through inflammation on the rise, primarily from our diet and stress. Those are the two things that are taking us down. You're not going to have any but any money for anything else in the entire budget. Not defense, not education, not infrastructure, not anything. If half the country has diabetes, we're done. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. So let's take the conversation where it needs to go. So Joe Biden of It's not all politics in the moments that I covered and liked. Here's an interview that I remembered liking. I listened back and it was delightful. Writer and critic Elisa Gabbert and I talked about her collection, The Word Pretty. Yeah, but come on. (laughs) If you look like that, would you really be that unemployed? (laughs) No, you'd have a TV show. You would. And you get a million dollars per episode. We literally have have one test case about what a person who looks like Jennifer Aniston, what would happen to her in life. And that is what has happened to Jennifer Aniston in life. (laughs) And what's the difference between that? What's the difference between just someone who looks like Jennifer Aniston and the Jennifer Aniston we know, who looks like Jennifer Aniston, but also has Jennifer Aniston skills, which are what? So transcendent? So like, uh, it's obvious she's going to be worth $400 million because of her light comedy chops? I mean, come on. Yeah, I feel like there's this automatic like... I think I say in the essay maybe that it it sort of breaks the fourth wall whenever somebody calls somebody else in a TV show attractive because it's like, what? Like, (laughs) how can you tell that that person is more or less attractive than anybody else? It definitely didn't used to be that way. Yeah. Shows from the 70s and the early 80s, there were more schlubby people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But movies especially is part of the reason I love movies from the 70s is because there were a lot of average-looking and even unattractive actors. The world on film looked more like the world then. Um, it didn't just look like, you know, one block of Hollywood. So I want to... She's right. Ernest Borgnine, George Kennedy, Shelley Winters. Well, young Shelley Winters. I mean, va-va-va-voom, but, you know, 1970s, 80s Shelley Winters. Uh, I think of her as something of a distaff George Kennedy, and I love them all. You may notice... A lot of the interviews that I like the most have a lot of me talking. Interesting. I was thinking about the following interview when I talked to Princeton professors Julian Zelizer and Kevin Cruz. They wrote a book about teaching American history from 1974 on. And I was thinking about it in the context of impeachment. Because if you live through the Clinton impeachment and were really paying attention, you know that those solemn intonations of this current impeachment as a stain on the presidency... Uh, you know that like a lot of stains, it comes out in the wash. But if you only read about the Clinton impeachment or saw a documentary on the Clinton impeachment, didn't really live and feel the Clinton impeachment, maybe you don't realize that. And, and this is the important part, for those of us who did live through it, maybe we don't realize what younger people don't realize. So in conversation with the professors, I phrased it a little bit better, though not much more succinctly. 
All right, here's my last question. Do you find, this, there's this phenomenon which anything that happened before you were two or three, before you actually got to experience, is in this huge category called history. And it doesn't matter if it was two years before or 200 years before. Maybe if there's film footage of it, you could convince yourself it was more real. I was talking to the guy who wrote First Man about Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. So two years before I was born, maybe three To me, Neil Armstrong, as an actual figure to think about, is not so much different than Ulysses S. Grant. They're just in this huge glop of a category. And I wonder if, (laughs) like, yeah, if if you experience this uh, personally, if you experience this through the students, and, you know, why do you think that is mentally? Well, I think, look, I think everything that comes before your real-world memory in some ways, all falls into this big category of, I have no idea, I'm learning in the books. And if you're two years off or 200 years off, I think for a lot of people, uh, it's equally foreign. Um, And I think that's how we work. And when I uh, teach the 9-11 lecture, Kevin remembers this, and we do it in the book too. In the class, I always show when the kids walk in, the students walk in, a five-minute montage of the news that morning. Uh, and it starts early with Al Roker doing the weather and it ends with the second tower uh, coming down. And I do that because they don't, they've heard of 9 11, they've right. seen, they don't remember what it's like. And yeah. that is a vivid way to get it from the bucket of it happened before me to, oh my God, they're always silent after that for a long time. And in the book, um, we have uh, that we start nine eleven. We have what was on the cover of the newspaper that I, morning. It was it was uh, very heavy backpacks among elementary yeah, right, school kids. Right. Right. It's the same device, and it's this. That's part of what you have to do. So I think it's just you have to move people, and and I think that's a challenge of historians is to try to get you from thinking about that stuff that's not right. your lifetime. Yes, and saying, oh, I can feel it. I have a kind of understanding of who these people were. It's hard to do, um, but it's one big bucket. The one thing I would say about that, that we that we should do as communicators, but also I'm thinking very much of politicians. It comes up in politics where someone will say something about what Biden's role in the crime bill was or Hillary Clinton talking about super predators. And that person will have a knowledge of it that's expansive and that goes forward and back and into the depth of things. But they're talking to maybe a person who was born in 1999 and didn't really realize how in the grip of concern about murder we were and how we didn't know that crime rates rates were already going down and how the phrase super predators was in the most respected, even liberal publications of the time. And I guess you can't explain it, but it's just an inevitable gap in knowledge and understanding. And maybe it it hurts the olds in trying to communicate with the youngs. It's really important. I mean, my lesson with this was I taught at Albany. It was my first job, SUNY Albany. And I was a young historian. I was all excited. I gave this whole lecture on the Cold War and different nuances of it and foreign policy debates, domestic debates. I left the classroom and one student quietly comes up and she says, what was the Cold War? (laughs) And and I realize you really have to start with the basics. And I think we did a lot of... This is hard because we lived through it. We have that memory of it. So we can say MTV or D. Snyder testifying yeah. about, uh, and we know who he was, but yeah. most readers won't. And, and I think it's really important in broadcasting and history to start with those basics to explain what the Cold War was before you jump into the debates. Yeah. You know. All right. Finally, the last clip I want to play on the show shows a different side of the gist. We can be goofy, impertinent, a bit, dare I say, zany. 
The issue was Paul Manafort, a known Trump associate. In fact, he was the president's campaign advisor. And he was found guilty of bank fraud and eight other charges and sentenced to 47 months in prison. There were still state charges hanging over him. And in fact, five days ago, those state charges were dismissed because the guy whose taste ran toward expensive ostrich skin jackets, he was on the grift. But I was wondering, what if the long arm of the state couldn't get Manafort? What recourse was there? Well, in the case of State v. Manafort, there was just one jurisdiction from which no man can escape. When you have a wrongdoer looking to fly the coop, you don't take matters into your own hand. You can't let the feds or the locals handle it. No, you take it to court. Ostrich court. Ostrich court, where justice is swift and earthbound. Oyez, oyez, all rise in ostrich court. The Honorable Judge Judy Struthio Camellius presiding. I know you've been sworn in. I have read your complaints. Mr. Downing, I know your client Mr. Manafort does not dispute the charges before him, and I would be inclined to throw the book at him but for the inability of my large feather appendages to grip things. Do you have anything to say in your defense? Your Honor, Mr. Manafort is a man of simple tastes and from... Oh, no, you don't. Don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. I understand, Your Honor. But the Ukraine is quite cold and around election time, he needs proper sartorial defenses against the chill. Surely a coat made of cow leather or lamb's wool would not do. Don't serve me a three-pound omelet and tell me it's not my offspring. Very well, Your Honor. My client is not a flight risk. Who is? What I'm saying is that he has many fine qualities. I mean... When it comes to his good deeds, you can't just put his head in the sand. What? Oh, no, you didn't. Excuse me, Your Honor. I, I feel like I'm, I'm uh, digging a hole for myself here. Mr. Manafort has stuck his neck out to cooperate with investigators. That's enough. I ask the jury, what find you? The jury has spoken. Mr. Manafort, for high crimes and misdemeanors among ostrich kind, the Ukrainian people, the American public, vests, and hair pomade, they find you guilty of... Murder. Murder? How did they find him guilty of murder? The jury is made up of crows. Whenever 12 of them get together, the finding is usually murder. And this has been Ostrich Court. Now, to be serious, I think it's important to be silly, ridiculous even at times. As I have said on the show, let us fight our tendency to catastrophize the normal just as we fight the tendency against normalizing the catastrophic. Happy New Year, I say to you. Let us all be thankful for what we have. And if that's not good enough, let us all take some small solace in the fact that most of the people who invested in Bitcoin when it was peaking lost about half their money. God bless us one and all. And that's it for this year's shows. The Gist was produced by Daniel Schrader and only Daniel Schrader. Christina DeJosa helped us greatly for these last few months. She is on to other things where, by contract, 
the hosts are barred from doing impressions of large flightless birds. Even the great auk? Being told, yes, even the great auk. The gist. I did not cover the trial of rapper 6ix9ine. I'm not exactly sure that's how he pronounces it. What with the number six instead of the S and the number nine instead of the nine. Going by, I guess, best wacky spelling practices. Except I do want to note this. State v. 6ix9ine is the only court case that would make a relatively strong Wi-Fi password. Oomperu depru dupru. Thanks for listening. <laughs>